Monday. It's a fun little ditty for a Monday. Got a lot of personality. I like it. Yeah, a lot of charm. You're listening to the Halford and Brock Show. Is this Sesame Street? Decidedly less charm. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You are listening to the Halford and Brock Show on Sportsnet 650. Randy is here. Oh, my God. Randy is here. <laughs> Randy is here. It's true, he is. We're workshopping, folks. Today's show brought to you by the letter W <laughs> for win, as in the Canucks keep winning. Uh, okay, we need to do some business here. Let's get serious, okay? This is a serious sports talk radio show. Very serious, very serious. Alvin Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Randeep Janda is going to join us momentarily. Uh, hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. To the phone lines we go. You're going to hear him in just over an hour's time. Sorry, two hours' time. Game begins at 10 o'clock. Randy Jan will be on the call right then. He joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Randy? Boys, good morning. Did we just witness... The uh, the comedic or not the comedic the musical genius of one Andy Cole and like did, was that him in the studio like yeah. coming up with a jingle there yeah, yeah. my That's musical genius like... singing three words mm, exactly <laughs> yeah. come on let's let's acknowledge where the bar's at all right yeah it was like it was like that Beatles documentary where the, you see them in action writing all their songs and you're like oh my god they're just geniuses it's incredible I mean you, like, you, you yeah you should you should you should work with them every day it is just one thing after another. It was uh, like listening to Mozart do his thing yeah, yeah, back yeah. in the day. So, uh, yeah, yeah. okay, awesome to join you, boys. Um, Randeep, did your opinion of this team change at all, or has it changed at all during this road trip? I think it has um, big time, right? This was a, a strong team to start off, but remember that game against St. Louis? They looked pretty flat. They had some opportunities in that game, weren't able to execute, and it was only going to get tougher from there. And then the challenges that were put for, uh, in front of them they just smacked them to the side, including New York Rangers, including a, you know, Sidney Crosby-led team in Pittsburgh and just took care of business. So for me, yeah, even that last game against Buffalo, which wasn't all that exciting from a, uh, you know, observer's point of view, but that still showed something. That showed that this team can, you know, play a physical brand of hockey that can grind it out. So there's been, I think, numerous checkpoints on this road trip, whether it comes to high skill, whether it comes to, you know, playing within your structure, whether it comes to, you know, being able to play a physical team, a team that's maybe chasing hits in that game against Buffalo, but to stay focused, stay on your track and get in the W. Uh, guys, this team has shown me something that, yeah, maybe there's some, Folks that were saying, okay, prior to, they're going to find out on this seven game road trip. Guys, they're five and one heading into the team that they should definitely beat. And even at worst, they come back five and two from a, a very difficult road trip. Uh, it, I think there's a lot of folks that are are now looking at this team and saying, okay, hold on a second. Uh, there's something going here. There's something really, really good go- happening here. Is the lotto line a thing forever now? Um, because their last two games, not as great as they were in New York and against New Jersey, but that was a pretty high bar to match. I'm just wondering how long Tockett's going to keep those three together. Yeah, I think with the lotto line, one game you can understand. You're playing tired. You're in that Buffalo game where you're essentially saying, okay, hey, we're feeling the miles kind of rack up here. Um, Overall, guys, until they show you over a stretch of three or four games that it's not necessarily going... I still roll out with it. Like this is still 
on you know statistics, um, still the hottest line in the league right now. When you're able to even with that last game put in seven goals in the last five games for Elias Pettersson on his own, uh, 27 points in the last five games, I, I would still keep it together. But long-term, yeah, the second line, we call it the second line, but the Hugh Suter, Kuzmenko, and Mikheyev line, uh, they are playing a little bit less, especially when we start looking at Kuzmenko's numbers. Uh, there is a need there. There is some balance required there, whether that's internal or external. And you can only keep the lotto line together, I think, uh, with this current group of players until, um, you know, they they keep producing. And mm-hmm. once it maybe falls flat for three or four games, if that happens, then you start thinking about it. One game against Buffalo, I'm going to chalk that up to a team that's probably tired, a team that is, you know, both teams are not looking sharp in that game. But uh, overall, I would still roll with this line because on most nights, they're going to be able to take advantage and beat the the matchup in front of them and you know looking at that New York game guys that's a, a team that presented the New York Rangers game that's a team that presented a real challenge where they had two pretty balanced lines and that's the game that worried me the most to say if you roll in with the lotto line and your first line maybe takes care of business but you've got another line you've got to deal with hey, they did the job they were they won that game and they won that pretty comfortably against one of the best teams in the NHL so that game showed me something to say okay in the short term here you can roll with it in the long term you still need an answer on that second line as uh, we call it with Suter Kuzmenko and Mikheyev I guess it does matter to um whether or not they're going to keep that line together for management and what they do at the deadline because if they do keep that lotto line together, maybe they're searching for another center. But if they don't keep it together, maybe they're searching for another winger. Yeah, and and that's really going to be you know depends on a couple of things, right? Like who's out there? Who's it's going to be a a tough conversation to have because you want to acknowledge what this group is doing, and they've done a lot of great things. Uh, but you don't want to tinker with it too much either. They've got something that's going on. I know really well. I think upgrading on the wing is has to be a priority because when you look at March and April and the way that the game changes, you have to have players, especially late in games, that you trust to play in your top nine. I would argue all your lines, but especially players in your top line, uh, top nine that are in the you know final stretch of a game, whether it's the final ten minutes, uh, might be a tied game in the third period, uh, whether it's late in the season or in the playoffs, guys, you got to have that player whether it's a center or a winger, to say, okay, we trust you on the ice. And right now, that top nine to me is lacking maybe one or, I would say definitely one player. Um, Kuzmenko's not at that spot mm-hmm. yet. So winger for sure. If you can get a center, uh, uh, that would be great. And is that a hybrid player, a player that maybe has been playing in the la- on the wing for the last couple of years, but you can move in there? So it might not be a surefire center because those are difficult to come by uh, in season especially. But is there somebody, maybe a veteran that you've you know we've seen play down the middle in previous years and gives you that versatility of hey well, you can load up with the lotto line when they're going and the matchup fits or you've got like a versatile player that can play down the middle and and also pop out to the wing with a little bit of hard skill so i think the answer to your question is is there somebody out there in the next month or two that can potentially appease both of those things and and that's where I look into say all right who is that player because I know there's been a lot of talk about Jake Gensel um the question on Jake Gensel I pose guys is Mike Sullivan and Rick Tockett are probably pretty good friends they're they're nearly best friends and where did Rick Tockett get his coaching philosophy or a lot of it from Mike Sullivan 
I don't really, you know, I think for Jake Gensel coming to Vancouver makes a lot of sense. There's been a lot of discussion about Kuzmenko going to Pittsburgh. Um, based on the coaching philosophy that Mike Sullivan has, that's not a fit to me. So, right. you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, discussion on that front, but I, I'm with you. I think center slash winger, somebody who can play in that hybrid role, makes a lot of sense. We're speaking to Randy Janda, Canucks radio analyst right here on Sportsnet 650. You'll hear him in just over two hours' time as the Canucks take on the Blue Jackets from Columbus at 10 a.m. our time this morning. Hey, uh, we were talking about Elias Pettersson a lot, and I went back and I said, since the calendar flipped to 2024, he's been remarkable. Nine goals, 14 points in seven games. But Thatcher Demko, since the calendars flipped, has been, not that he hadn't been good before, but he has been really strong in January. So after the shutout win against Buffalo, he's now got a 924 save percentage in January. He's only got the one loss, and the only loss was in St. Louis, a 2-1 game where they didn't give him a lot of run support. Uh, just how good has Thatcher Demko been over these last seven games, Randy? Yeah, Thatcher Demko is is so good. I think at times we take him for granted because he'll give up a goal maybe on the blocker side or, you know, a couple of games ago when they were at home when, you know, a couple of goals went five hole and we we start to question what's going on with this guy. He allowed a goal like most goaltenders do, right? We we look at his stats and guys, he is uh, locked in right now. And on this trip, I think the Buffalo example, that game was a great example of when Thatcher Demko is needed and even when he's required to make those east-west saves which is very rare these days he's there he's a he's a reliable you know one of the most reliable goaltenders in the nhl and that's why he's in the vesna conversation that's why he's a favorite so on this trip i think there's been so much focus on the lotto line and the ability to score and put up what 27 points in the last five games at thatcher demko um those saves on casey middlestat was uh, you know, he made it look easy, but that's not an easy save going from one post to the other. And he was comfortable. Uh, J.J. Paterka also in that game a little bit later on. Another save where he's moving side to side. The puck actually goes back to the side he was moving from. Not an easy save. And guys, this is an example of when your team is requiring that one to maybe two or three saves in a game, uh, even when they're playing well, right? The Canucks have done a good job of limiting High danger chances this year uh, compared to last year for sure. But this is a guy that, you know, when he's required to make that save, he's doing it every single time. He's, you know, had his goals that he's allowed a little bit here and there. But who doesn't do that? The best goaltenders in the league other than right now, Connor Hellebuck is is doing that. So to me, there's it's a two, uh, two-person conversation with the Vesna. It's, it's Connor Hellebuck and his last 10 to 12 games have been unreal the stretch he's been on and Thatcher Demko has been the model of consistency. So, you know, this is a guy on the road, especially when your team is a little tired. The last two games we've started to see that is he in a position to give you a chance to win the games. And even that Pittsburgh game, boys, that save on Sidney Crosby, I know Pittsburgh comes back and ties that game, takes it to overtime. Um, But if they don't tie it later on in that period, and we're, you know, the Canucks end up winning in regulation. We're probably talking about that Sidney Crosby save as a story of the game and potentially how, you know, that was the moment of the game. So Thatcher Demko is the truth. He's the answer. Uh, he gets a little overshadowed because of the lotto line, because all of these uh, all-star players in Vancouver. But, yeah, I, I think the fact that he got the most all-star votes, right, compared to everybody else, right. uh, that tells you that, yeah, this is a, a Thatcher Demko appreciation month or appreciation season. Randeep, I've got a trivia question for you just to, just right, to make sure that you're paying attention. I bet you're going to get this right. I hope so. How many power play goals have the Canucks scored on this six-game road trip so far? One. One. What does it tell you about this team that the Canucks have only scored one power play goal 
in these six games, and yet they've won five of them. That tells you that, you know, the commitment to the structure, boys, that was a buzzword. There was a lot of, you know, conversation around it of is there structure, were they coaching structure last season, all, all of that stuff. Like, it was the buzzword. Now five on five, that ability to play well in the middle of the ice in your own zone to really lock it down, but also play fast. And playing fast is what, you know, the lotto line, what I like about the way they've been playing is that it goes from defense to offense really, really quick, right? We focus on the finish result a lot of the times, but the way that they've been able to score some of these goals is commitment to defense, and then boom, that first pass is out of the zone. So to me, you know, when you mention that power play stat, and it's not a great one, obviously, for the team, but the fact is they're 5-1 and one on this road trip despite their power play, which has potential, and we've seen it, to be a top three power play in this league. That leads to some optimism to say, okay, if you can figure that out, if you can make those tweaks, your 5-on-5 five five game is locked in. Your goaltending is solid. Defensively, that Buffalo game is an example where maybe they didn't generate all that much offense outside of the one goal from Sam Lafferty, but guys, they didn't give up anything. The PK was solid, kept everything to the outside. The 5-on-5 five five game did not, you know, did not give anything up of a substantial uh, other than maybe on the power play where Demko made those saves. And that goes back to structure again, where when you're tired, you're able to, you know, just relax. You're able to kind of understand where your teammate's going to be. And it really comes out of trust. And we've seen them, A, turn that into offense. And even on nights when maybe the offense isn't there, they're in the game where maybe last year, maybe even earlier this year, they might have lost that game, right? Where, hey, you don't have an answer offensively. And and the other team ends up getting some goals on you because you you lack some structure. But to me, this is this speaks to the commitment to the 200-foot game. Rather than just offense, uh, it starts in their own zone, and we've seen that through Quinn Hughes moving the puck up, Philip Ronick, and uh, credit to the wingers and the centers as well because they're doing their work defensively, which is leading to good offense. Is there a five-man unit at five-on-five five that's better than the lotto line with Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick, which often is out there together? The only one I can think of might be like the McKinnon line in Colorado when yep. they're out there with uh, McCarr and Taves. Yeah, I think that's the one that immediately comes to mind for me. You know, if you're going to the past, we could probably think of maybe the perfection line with Charlie McAvoy on the ice back in the day. But other than that, boys, like in the present day NHL, um, this is this is the five man unit. And I think a good representation and a good you know of that is the fact that the majority of those guys you mentioned there are going to the All-Star game. They've been able to, A, crank out the offense, but on top of that, you know, you're seeing a situation where, um, you know, guys like Philip Ronick, who I would argue probably had a great <laughs> shot at making the All-Star game based on merit. You can't, you know, it's tough to have six guys from one team, but if you start to look at the way he's played, and I know there's a lot of discussion on, you know, what's he going to make and all of that, which is, uh, hey, great conversation for, for uh, another day, I suppose, but this is a guy that, out of the group that you mentioned, is not the the biggest star of them, but like in a in a way to you know to show what he's meant to this team. We were talking about Quinn Hughes being the best defenseman on this team prior to Philip Ronick coming, and the drop off from one to two was massive. It was a massive drop off on the back end. Now with Philip Ronick, uh, Quinn Hughes is still the best defenseman, but you have somebody that can move the uh, the puck up the ice real quick. He's an intelligent player. Does he make his mistakes? Yes, but a lot of players do that. And the more you handle the puck, you're gonna you're gonna have the giveaway here and there. So in terms of five man unit, if he's your like 
let's put it in quotation marks, you know, him and Brock Besser maybe are your weakest links. And, and I say that in quotation marks because they're not. Um, that's impressive. That's very impressive. And I don't see a rival because even the ones in Toronto, like you could say, hey, there's some really good, uh, a good line in Toronto, the Austin Matthews line. On the back end, they're really lacking. The Canucks, they're not. They're amongst the best on that front. Uh, Randy, before we let you go, you got any insight or any idea on who's going to be getting the start in that tonight? Today? This uh, I don't have any insight on that front, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's pretty safe to say it's going to be Casey DeSmith. Yeah. He's, uh, he's probably ready to go on this front. Uh, he hasn't played in a little bit, and you've got a team in Columbus that is, uh, you know, a struggling team right now, and you want to keep him fresh as well. So Thatcher Demko did his job. He's got the shutout in Buffalo. You're not worried about bringing him back out to keep that momentum going as well. Casey DeSmith, I would expect to see here uh, against Columbus, boys. Well, on the other net, you're going to get a rare Elvis Merzlikin sighting as he gets the start this morning. I got to get that straight. I keep wanting to say goodnight. Uh, yeah, so with that one, isn't that like the most bizarre storyline in the NHL, though? Yes. This is a guy that's trade request, and you put him up uh, against probably the hottest team alongside the Winnipeg Jets in the NHL to to really boost that trade value. So we'll see how that goes. But you what carry three. I, I was yeah, I was hoping I was hoping for, uh, you know, one of the other goaltenders to maybe give Elvis a bit of a break here because could get rough for this team the way that they've been playing of late. Well, we had Aaron Portsline on the show earlier, and he said, you know, they've got a bit of a, a a messaging problem in Columbus where sometimes no one's really sure exactly what they're doing. And they said, you've got a guy who's requested a trade, and you're hoping to trade him, so you're not going to play him for weeks, and then you're going to throw him in against the hottest team in the National Hockey League at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. So, yeah, that's kind of strange. Before we let you go, Randy, uh, jumping ahead to this coming weekend, uh, hockey Day in Canada, Hockey Night in Canada from Victoria. What are you and the Hockey Night in Punjabi crew going to do for Hockey Day in Canada? Yeah, so we're going to be in Victoria, which is uh, really exciting for us. It's the first time we're taking our, our studio into the community, and we're going to be there. The Stanley Cup's going to be there. Um, I hear also the panel. Uh, Hockey Night in Canada is going to be there. Kevin BX, Elliot Friedman, Ron McLean. So if you're on the island, I know we got a lot of listeners on the island. Uh, come on down to the Inner Harbor and say hello. We'll be there. Um, I'm going to be there on Friday and also on Saturday, but we'll be hosting the show on Saturday. So come through, and let's celebrate a hockey day together. Right on. Sounds awesome, dude. Have a good call today. Enjoy the weekend. We'll do this again soon. Cheers, guys. Take care. Yeah, you Take too. care. Thanks. That's Randy Janda, Canucks radio analyst and host on Hockey Night in Punjabi here on the Halford and Brev Show on Sportsnet 650. You know, it is a huge advantage for the Canucks when you can get that five-man unit out there at five-on-five, five, the lotto line with Hughes and Hironic, and obviously the coaching staff has worked to do that. And, um, you know, I think about before the season, thinking about how I wanted the lines and the pairings to go. And I've always been a bit of a, like, spread the wealth kind of guy, you know. And, um, you know, I think the, I think the Canucks coaching staff wasn't sold on having Hughes and Hronick together either. You remember at the beginning of training camp and all the preseason, there was, it was I remember, Cole, good old Cole McWard oh, yeah. with Quinn Hughes. And they wanted, to, they wanted to spread the wealth. And then they realized, like, Hughes and Hronick together are so good that it's hard to split them up. And I wonder if they're going to get that way with the lotto line. That they're just so good. And when you add the fact that you can have the lotto line and and then you can also have Hughes and Hronick out with them and have that as a five man unit that plays a significant portion of the game, it's hard to say no to that, especially when up front 
You've got a guy like Pew Suter who can center Mikheyev and Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. And you've got that Bluger line with Garland and Joshua still playing well together. If those two lines fall off, then you might have to rethink things. And also on the back end, you've had a management group that came in there and they added a guy in Nikita Zadorov who has played well, I think, although he's had some loud mistakes, but he's just allowed he's he's an NHL defenseman, right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. sometimes when you had guys like Akito Hirose in there, or even at times Noah Juleson, although I think Noah Juleson has improved as the season has gone by, you're kind of like, oh, you want to play Hughes and Hronick more. Right. But because you've got Susie back as well, um, it has just made it even easier to keep Hughes and Hronick together because those four together have been fine. Okay, so the, better than fine. The Canucks conversation is going to continue on the Halford and Bruff Show. Coming up next, a rare and exciting event for us. We're going to do a crossover with Satyar Shah live in studio. Sat's going to be in here at 9 o'clock with Dan Riccio. They are going to do the pregame show, which begins at 9 a.m. ahead of a 10 o'clock puck Let's show. get gossipy with Sat about Petey. We can do that. Yeah. Also, what we're going to do in the final segment of the show is we're going to give away two prizes. Uh, the first is going to be a prize pack to the big football game. <laughs> which is a $100 gift card to the Clayton Public House and a reserved table for you and five friends on Sunday, February 11th for, once again, the big football game. We're also going to give away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Coyotes on January 18th, that's this Thursday, from Rogers Arena. If you want the Canucks tickets, put a ticket emoji into your text. If you want the big football game prize pack, uh, please put a football emoji into your text. Okay, one final segment to go. Do I need to address? Someone's texting me Clayton, during the show. Clayton, did you do Clayton? Oh, well, I kind of did because mm-hmm. we did mention that the big football game prize pack is coming from the Clayton Public House. Reserve your spot. For the, the show is football. too popular. We've got too many ads. Reserve your spot for the big football party at the Clayton Public House hosted by Sportsnet 650. You can visit the ClaytonPub.com on the internet. Clayton Public House, good food, good people. Good times. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Eight thirty one on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff. At 6.50, Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It's a three-man booth. Look at this. Triple box. This is great. We're a little tight in there, aren't we? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Squeeze in there, bro. We barely pulled this off. I will let you guys, if you want to know how the sausage is made at Sportsnet 650, we left it right to the last second before we realized the microphone was plugged in to the wrong jack. We're lucky we have quality equipment. That's right. We were saved by the chair that sinks and the armrest that is rotting. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning, uh, hour three, brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, you've heard the third voice. I should have introduced you earlier. Satyar Shah for a rare live crossover event ahead of a rare live 9 a.m. 
pregame show ahead of a, again, rare 10 a.m. puck drop. How's it going, Seth? Uh, going well, man. Uh, I got a taste of, well, not quite. You guys wake up at, what, 4 a.m., 5 a.m.? No, nah, about 5.45. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in here at a normal time. Bruff comes in at 5.59. He's like, what are we doing today? <laughs> uh, sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I woke up around 6 today. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel better now, but it was really difficult getting out of That's bed. That's a tough one. Yeah. Especially when it's cold. Um, let's let's get a little gossipy yes. about the Vancouver Canucks. And um, Laddie, we're going to need you here. And we're going to kick this off with Freege getting a little gossipy about the Vancouver Canucks on 32 Thoughts. Freege thinks that the Canucks are going to be the centerpiece of a lot of rumors heading into the trade deadline. We're going to hear a lot of crazy rumors with Vancouver. I, I think that's going to, just because they've got such a passionate fan base and they're so aggressive and they're out there on social media, I think Vancouver is going to be the rumor center of, of the NHL over the next little while. Like, obviously, I think there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that makes sense on the Gensel, uh, Erickson, Eck this weekend. I, I don't buy that one. I, I don't see any any reason why Minnesota would do that. Um, you know, I it, it would really surprise me. But I, I just think you're going to start hearing a lot of stuff about the Canucks. Okay, so my question for you, Sat, is how important is it for the Canucks to have a PD contract in place, an extension before the trade deadline? I think it's something they would like to have. I don't think it's a must-have. Like, I don't think it's going to stop them from, if they can acquire a top six forward, I don't think they'll be like, hey, we don't have PD signed, let's not go down this road. But I do think in terms of longer-term planning, they would like to have this in place as soon as possible. I think the biggest guys affected by this is is not like a guy like Hironic or even Trade. I think it's more like, could they maybe get something done with a Lafferty early? And can you afford to give him, say, two years of $2 I'm just throwing a number out. If Pedersen hasn't given you an indication of whether he's going to sign or not, and what that number is going to look like because that extra million or 700k is going to affect him whereas for Hironic and Petey I think they just kind of earmark the money for them and trade-wise I don't think they worry about it as much but I do think it's interesting that we're hearing more and more about how the organization is making very clear publicly to mm-hmm. Elias Patterson that they want to get something done they're here waiting for him like that's not a coincidence that iMac is chatting with Alvin and Alvin is on with Murph and then they're both talking about wanting to talk to Petey I think yes and I do think when all this stuff gets out uh, they I think they prefer to go through like the the uh, official channels so to speak to get mm-hmm. their word out instead of like you know telling an insider or something although I'm, I'm not saying they don't talk to people I'm just saying in terms of trying to get that message out publicly I do think when you talk to people, they make it pretty clear that they're confident Pedersen's mm-hmm. going to sign. But at what point do you have to do due do diligence? And I wonder if that's something that Elliot is referring to, that until thing get, things get figured out, what rumors come out? Do people call about Pedersen? Does somebody you know report that that happens? Right. And those are the types of things I think we're kind of bracing for up until the trade deadline. It's funny. It's, it almost seems like we're like <laughs> we're dealing with like we don't want to spook Petey. Yeah. Right. Doesn't it? Doesn't it have that kind of feel to it? Like we don't we don't want to put too much pressure on you. We don't want to. We don't want this to create a distraction. But it would really help us for our long term planning and even our short term planning if you would sit down with us and talk about a contract. Or if he simply said, "I'm going to sign. Just give me time." I'm not sure he said that. You know right. what I mean? Just, say, just right. say like, hey, hey guys, I'm going to, I'm committed. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this in a few months or something. I'm not sure that's happened. And I think that would just give you a bit more confidence of, okay, like, hey, at least we're not worried about it. Not that you would be necessarily, but I do think until you, I mean, it's like you're, you're 
you go on a first date with somebody mm -hmm. until they tell you they want to see you again. Right, right. You may wonder, <laughs> you know, what's going on? Like, hey, she was into me, again. but I think yeah, so. Yeah. But, you know, that she's going to have heard from her for a, quite a while now. Yeah. <laughs> We're supposed to talk next day. Yeah. And she hasn't messaged me back. <laughs> well, I got a first date. The ball is entirely in her court. That's what this is. This is what this comes down to, I think, is that if you listen to every public statement that the Canucks have made, everyone seems to fully that Pedersen holds all the cards and has all the power and has all the sway here, which is often the case in a negotiation where, you know, the player's having the kind of year that he does. But it's funny because going into the year, everything was a wait-and-see approach, right? It's like, And we said the same thing. Right? I have no idea what this team's going to look like, how they're going to fare. And then it's got to be really... Uh, enjoyable, but also challenging for the executive to know that everything's gone swimmingly. Everything's gone great. The team is playing fantastic. They have half the teams going to the All-Star game. But there's this thing now right. that you need to address, and probably quicker than you envisioned. Like, playing out the string, it doesn't seem as plausible as it did maybe going into this year mm -hmm. because expectations have been raised, and there's a real chance to do something in the playoffs. Well, it's like, what are you waiting for? It's right. like, hey, the team's doing well. Wasn't winning supposed to be the, the, the chief factor? That's what I hear from a lot of people that ask me about that, is yeah. like, what more does he want? Now, the one thing I will say about Pedersen, and you can get in a lot of trouble assuming or, or thinking you know what he's going to do or what's going through his mind. I never do it, because I have no idea <laughs> yeah, what's I, going through his I think, mind. I think the honest answer None. is, if anybody tells you they know, they're lying probably, or yeah. just guessing, right? So, I think that's something to be very careful with when it comes to Patterson. The one thing I do wonder about, and I'm going to play, you know, uh, I'm going to give you my opinion here. He doesn't want any distractions. Sure. And and I don't just mean that in terms of distractions. I think he gets very annoyed easily. Like, for instance, uh, he had that bit with uh, Kate Pedersen a few games back when asked about the lotto line. He's like, oh, yeah, I love playing with you. love answering questions about the lotto line. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're on yeah. the road. You've had maybe two questions about <laughs> yeah, it. Like, yeah, what, yeah. Are, what are we doing here? So I think he's one of those Sorry guys. to be such a bother, but can we ask you about this line that is playing terrific? Yeah, and he's annoyed already two yeah. questions in. It's like, well, we haven't talked about this in a while. And you're on the road. It's not like this horde of you know Canucks media you know pestering you about exactly. you know the lotto line. So it shows you that he gets, I think, easily annoyed annoyed by intrepid questions about certain things or things that he thinks are narrative driven. And if stuff gets out or if he says, hey, I'm willing to talk every day when media meets with him. So what's going on with your contract? Right. Does it look like you're going to sign or not? Hey, we heard this report. We heard that report. And I don't think he has any interest in dealing with that day to day. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if part of the, hey, well, let's wait to the off season is kind of, hey, I'm saying this and maybe we can do something quietly because I don't think the team nor him like the fact that that meeting with Alvin got out a few weeks back, and anytime any questions come up about his contract, he's not too happy about it. I prefer, I think they would like to do it very quietly behind the scenes if possible. Mm. The question is, can you do that in this market? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty good tough, luck, right? Okay, I want to switch gears to the trade deadline stuff, because uh, Freach mentioned the clip, the Ericsson X thing. And <laughs> that got shot down pretty emphatically over the didn't weekend. Didn't Canucks Twitter just start that? Yeah. I, and just, then all of a sudden, Mike Russo Russo and Fridge came in with the one-two knockout blow. Like, that's not happening, no. But And I, I, get, I get part of it because it's a paint-by-numbers exercise. Yeah. It's like, well, Minnesota's on the outs. Like, there's few teams that have cratered as badly as they did with the expectations that they had, right? So I think a lot of people are wondering if there's going to be a retool or something in Minnesota. And it'd be so, such a perfect ad for mm -hmm. the Canucks. Such a perfect ad. But I can also understand why they don't want to part with them. But then you start looking right now, and outside of Minnesota really falling into that loser category, it's harsh, but that's what it is. I mean, the other teams you kind of expected to be there, mm -hmm. there's not a ton available. And then everyone's kind of looking at Calgary, like, are they going to stay? Are yeah. they going to fall out? 
And I know it's still it's March is a ways away, but the market right now it does not seem super flush or robust to me. No, it doesn't. I think a lot of things complicated. One is a number of teams still being quote unquote uh, in the playoff race, but also go go through look through every team's roster. Almost like half, half like seventy five percent of the league is signed to long term contracts. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys that are just like twisting in the wind for unrestricted free agency. There's a few RFA types, and I think that's what you may look at or try to find the heroic comparable mm-hmm. up front, perhaps somebody who might be RFA. I know Bick brings up Casey Middlestad all the time and he spoke to a Buffalo guy who said they may have to make a decision on him he's RFA at the end of the season and I think that's a type of player or age range and that's why Eric Sinek comes in 26 years old under control that they wouldn't and a mind cap head too. yeah and yeah. you don't mind giving up the assets for somebody that's going to be nope. part of this for four or five years potentially any concern with messing with chemistry I think that stuff's a bit overblown a little bit because if you look at the forward group right now, they have Niels Oman playing every day mm-hmm. and you know God bless him playing great but you tell me you can't upgrade on mm-hmm. that Potentially. Yeah. I also think that the more depth, the better. Um, I always say this quietly because people accuse me of jinxing the team. (laughs) They've been remarkably healthy this year. Oh, God. Don't jinx them. Yeah. (laughs) Weak-minded individuals like A-Dog that think that because someone mentions it, now it's going to happen. It's all over. If you look at at the injury issues in, well, look at the injury issues that a team like Columbus that the the Canucks are going to face today. They don't have Boone Jenner, who's their 1C. They don't have Patrick Laine, who I don't know what the hell he is right now, but they don't have Zach Wierenski, who's their number one defenseman, you know, and they're not a very good team. Of course they're going to struggle. Look at Vegas right now with all their injuries, and people are like, what's wrong with Vegas? Well, they're hurt. Yeah. If the Canucks expect to go into the playoffs and they hope to go on a deep run, they're going to need the depth. Like, look at Teddy Bluger. He went to Vegas, didn't play, mm-hmm. but they had him. Yeah. yeah. Right? Isn't that important to think about going into into the playoffs? Well, and I think it's it's a higher-end player. Like, if, if for instance, if, if Pedersen misses two games in the playoffs or JT misses two or three mm-hmm. games— I'm sorry, Hoaglander's not going to replace him. Right. You know, and it's not going to be Pew Suter coming in and, and really crushing it. They need a, another legitimate top six player, one to pair with Pedersen. And then if one of those guys misses some time, you have somebody legitimate that can drive play and give you a little bit of something. And I think that's why you hear Rutherford himself mention that they would prefer to add a top six forward yeah. mm-hmm. if they can. Somebody that can maybe play vers- have versatility, play different positions for you. But that's the type of depth you need. A high-end player that if a high-end guy goes down, now you can kind of survive for a little bit. You can still push forward. Has your opinion on this team changed at all during this road trip? Yes, it has. I I think that they've taken a step. Yeah, me too. I I think think they keep getting better. That's the thing. Like Everyone talks about PDO, 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 and yes, their PDO is still high, but we're starting to see them... I don't know if you want to say dominate games at five on five. There have been a few dominations, the New Jersey game, the Islanders game, but like they're not just dining out on shooting percentage now in fact you know and and they're not dining out on a power play that might be their number one concern right now well yeah and just the way they're scoring goals remember before earlier this season you know we gave them credit for doing hey guys flash screen stuff getting to the net tipping pucks in and and creating their own luck but it Mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of beautiful goals with a lot of gritty get to dirty areas and score which you kind of wonder about over time it's like does that dry up a little bit when when the bounces don't go your way now they're evolving now you see like the play in the offensive zone. The lotto line is just dancing around. Oh, the teams. Rangers game was tremendous, incredible. That play, you know, the, we didn't talk a lot about it. There were the individual play, the goals by P 
Petey and Hoagland are got a lot of attention, but I think my favorite goal was the one where Hughes had the quick up to Petey at the blue line. He made a really nice move. Um, Brock Besser hit the blue line with speed, gets behind the, the, the Rangers defense, saucer pass from Petey, and Besser scores it. Like, that is an unbelievable goal. And that's what we're talking about, when you can get not only the lotto line, but the lotto line with Hughes and Hronik out there at five on five, of course you're going to have good results. And 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 they're scoring based off their staples. You know, like a lot of their goals are coming in. Now, now that goal was a transition play, something they haven't done a lot of recently, but they're starting to create a bit more, which shows you, you know, maybe coming together a bit more and taking advantage. But a lot of their goals are coming off good board battles, wins along the board, driving through the middle, the middle mm-hmm. drive guy the coach talks about. We saw that on uh, the Besser goal. Um, I think it was the in, in the Pittsburgh game. When he comes over the line, Patterson Miller drives towards the net. He does a hesitation and slides it across, buys time for Besser to come in and, and knock it in back door. That's a staple play for them. Break yeah. through the zone, drive through the middle. The other guy comes behind and try to hit the trailer. And that's the type of stuff they want to do more of, which now you're starting to see them do with a lot more confidence. And it shows, to your point, a team that is growing and evolving offensively. And if you're able to score goals like that, you defend as well as anybody right now in the league. You have great goaltending. My opinion has changed. Like I, I, I do think this team has jumped a tier. Yeah, they're doing the fundamentals right. And as boring as talking about fundamentals is, you have to do them. It's like, you know, you watch the Seahawks, they're like, they need to learn how to tackle because that's really important. That's really important in football. Winning battles is the same way, which leads me to the question of Kuzmenko. You're going into the playoffs. You get a big game. Is he even going to play? And if he isn't, then don't they have to do something with that cap space? So uh, I wonder with Kuzmenko, the only trade I see working for Kuzmenko during the season would be if he's part of a bigger deal. Right. You know how the Canucks gave up, uh, how the Canucks acquired Bavillier, Ratu, and a first? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying they're going to be trading Ratu a first and, and Kuzmenko. <laughs> sure. right. but so that's a trade. You're the That's the 2024 yeah, uh, yeah. Ballard second and, and Raymond. Mm-hmm. Right, but, right. But, but I think in, in a deal like, because the Canucks also have to send money out. Like If they want to make any sure. sort of a trade for a player making over $2 million, it has to be money in and money out. So let's say, for instance, that they want to get Elias Lindholm. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. a name. I'm not saying sure, this sure, is going to happen. Well, what contract's going to offset it? You probably yeah. need to put Kuzmenko in that mm-hmm. deal. And would Calgary be open to a deal like that? I think a team that's kind of in transition would look at it and say, well, we're not going to do much with Kuzmenko this year, but is he something for us next year? And do we either flip him from an asset then? Or I think he could be interesting to a team that needs to make weight to come back the other way, and you can look at it as a bit of an investment and perhaps next year turns into an asset for you. But no team that's a playoff, that has playoff aspirations, is, is knocking on your door trying to take Kuzmenko right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it brings us to Calgary. Like, I don't even know what Calgary is right now. I mean, what are they? Are they trying to make the playoffs? Or are they are they going to trade a bunch? In of guys? retrospect, I bet Craig Conroy is going to regret being as candid as he was when he took the job. And he's like, "I'm not going to let this Gaudreau situation happen again." Yeah. And then three months into the don't job, don't paint he's like, yourself into a corner. Yeah, it's yeah. like, damn it, the Gaudreau yeah, situation is yeah, happening I'll, again. I'll, I'll, I'll let that happen again. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> no it, wait, no. Well, it, it's the classic um, conundrum that he has, where you can't sell off pieces of a team that. Uh, and they're, the trajectory right now is they'll be in that playoff picture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what kind of message it sends to fans, but he can also say, look, I inherited a lot of this situation, the Huberto contract, the Kadri contract. I need to make my decisions based on what I think is right. At the same time, like he can't ignore the fact that his team is 
what it is. Like, yeah. I'd be shocked if they start selling off pieces when they're that close to the playoffs. But he's on record saying that that he he would do that. So he's yeah, he's got a real conundrum for himself. I think there it always comes down to their ownership there. Yeah. Right? Because I, I think the smart thing to do would be to, regardless of whatever push these guys make, we know what's going on. Let's just sell these guys off and give ourselves yeah. a chance. If ownership gives an okay to that, then I think we'll see them sell off. And I, th- and I think Conroy would like to do that. It comes down to an ownership saying okay. And that's why Chris Tanov, I don't think Tanov's going to resign in Calgary. Probably not. So Probably. are they going to let him walk for nothing when he can be one of their best trade chips? Has Tanov actually... He's never been traded, has he? <laughs> Despite all of the He's conversations. He's never been traded. I think you actually had a club, like a Tanev club. Yeah, 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 yeah. TTC, yeah. 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 And we ultimately, could... he, just, he just ended up walking away from the Canucks because he felt slighted and maybe yeah. rightly slighted. Yeah. Um, or he was right to feel that way. And then he goes to Calgary, and now there's like a trade Tanev club in Calgary, and he might not get traded. They meet weekly in a church basement, and they just talk about trading Tanev, yeah. something that never happens. Um, okay, we're almost up against it for time here, Sat, but we'd be remiss if we did not ask you about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I I would like to... Uh, <laughs> I would like to apologize to you because... We, yeah, you did jinx that, actually. Yeah. I know jinxes don't exist. Uh, jinxes are for the weak-minded, except when they involve me and my teams. Um, I hopped on the Cleveland Browns bandwagon because I actually used to be a Browns fan. Really? Like, yeah, back wow. in the day when they played at the old stadium. And, like, I'm talking Bernie Kosar and, oh, okay. you, know, you know, John Elway beating the Browns. I was, I was a bit of a Browns fan, and I stopped being a Browns fan. <laughs> For obvious reasons, yes, heartaches too much. When they, you know, left Cleveland, um, that was that was hard to watch. It was. I mean, honestly, I was really frustrated leading up to the game because I'm working the Canucks game and it's on at the right, right time. Right, and then I was right. like, I was so angry. I was I was really upset about it. But as soon as the game turned into a blow, I'm like, thank God I'm working. I'm so yeah, glad yeah. I'm sitting here working. <laughs> a this distraction. Canucks. It was a great distraction. And honestly, I I was surprised they lost the way they did. I wasn't shocked that C.J. Stroud had a great game because he's been absolutely tremendous, right? Yeah. But I was really shocked at how they lost the game. And I actually allowed myself to think, maybe, just maybe, this is all the 20, 30 years of strife and struggle. Mm-hmm. Finally, is going to come around, and it's going to be Joe Flacco leading us. And it's going <laughs> right. to be a great storybook ending. And this is this type of dreadful and then finally out of nowhere it's joe freaking flacco that takes you deep in the playoffs so i actually let myself believe that mm. the biggest shock for Belief me is dangerous yes the biggest shock yeah. for me was that, well one it was a two-point spread yeah and it was the biggest blowout on the board like i did not see 45 14 coming no way well, def- no way the browns defense was trash yeah that's what yeah. i don't get did they, they get a single sack on stroud i don't think they did. i don't think they did yeah i didn't now i didn't re-watch the game because i'm like i'm not gonna watch that point. Yeah. <laughs> it afterwards and i was keeping one eye on it during during the canucks game but that was the biggest disappointment the defense did absolutely nothing the yeah. pass rush was completely non-existent the mm-hmm. secondary was getting riddled and that was supposed to be the best defense in the nfl this year because actually by the they were only down 10 at the half yeah and that was with Stroud, I think, throwing for nearly 300 yards mm-hmm. and three touchdowns in the half. So they were actually kind of in it still. And then the pick six happened and everything. And, and then but, it's over. But that, to me, was the and biggest. Then, then, and then the next pick six. Yeah. And then the next one. I mean, <laughs> next one. it felt <laughs> like there were six of them. Yeah. Well, the two pick. I mean, and, and that's the thing with Joe Flacco. I mean, the Browns have been one of the highest turnover teams this year. Yeah, he's done this before. He has. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of have to because you got to go YOLO when sure. you have nothing else going <laughs> on pretty right. much, right? And eventually your luck runs out. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what it was. It was just, you know, I'm just disappointed in myself because I should have known better. 
And I'd let myself really believe this time. Like somebody in 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 the office was asking me before the game, like, who do you think is gonna get the Super Bowl? I'm like, Browns, baby. Like yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. stupid I was. <laughs> okay. And this year, you know what? Canucks, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm believing. We got we got to announce some winners here. Yeah, we do. Uh, A dog and Laddie. We've got uh, the prize pack to the big football game at the Clayton Public House. We've also got what two is this tic- game? People keep talking about. Uh, it's just it's a big really football big, game. It's a big. It involves it's a giant big. bowl. One may call it super. It will not involve the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we got to focus. We have a hard out today, guys. We got to pay attention. Um, also, we're giving away tickets to the Canucks and the Coyotes on Thursday night from Rogers Arena. Go. Yeah, football tickets. Good morning, boys. I would love to go watch the big football game, and I think I deserve it as a Cowboys fan. Yikes. Plus, I had to wake up at 4.30 for, for work this morning. Life sucks, but at least I get to listen to you guys. So yay for me. A from Poe Compton. Poe okay. Compton. Poe Compton. Nice. Okay. Wow. And uh, for the Cox tickets, uh, what we learned, I've learned that if my 70-year-old Mormon father can change his views and accept me coming out later in life, then there's hope for everyone. I'd love to take him to the Pride Night game to thank him for the unconditional love he's shown me and my partner over the last five years, West and Mike. So we've got the tickets given away. First day of uh, the prize packs to the Clayton Public House. We're going to be giving away every day this week. Sat, thanks for doing this, buddy. We really appreciate thanks, it. Buddy. Thanks, guys. Uh, okay, so here's what's coming up on the station for the remainder of the day. Nine o'clock, one hour pregame show featuring Sat. Uh, that's going to be going. Ten o'clock, it is puck drop. It is Canucks. It is Blue Jackets live from Columbus. Yes, the Canucks did make it to Columbus okay. There was a little bit of a hiccup in the travel. They went through Toronto and then they went down to Columbus. Got in last night. Game time is going to be the same. Everything's going to be the same. 10 a.m. puck drop, pre and post in the actual game, all right here on Sportsnet 650. I'll remind you that's not it for sports for today. You've got the makeup game between the Bills and the Steelers at 1.30. And then tonight, the nightcap, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You love those Buccaneers. I sure do. Come on, Bucks. <laughs> Come on, Bucks. Uh, it's been a fun show, but we got to get out of here for now. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Satyar Shah. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.